Hello there and welcome to part two of our music podcast chat with Mark Nelson. The full podcast, including all songs chosen by Mark, can be heard on Spotify. Search Over Our Garden Mall. However, if you can't access Spotify, this is a copy of all the chat from the podcast. You can, of course, listen to Mark's songs on Apple Music too, just not in this podcast. Apologies for this and hopefully one day we can publish a full on Apple as we do on Spotify. Enjoy the chat and stay safe. That was a prodigy with the ballad, Firestarter. Great stuff. Your next election couldn't be any different. You have chosen the Spice Girls with Two Becomes One. Yes. So most important question first, Mark, who was your favourite Spice Girl? Jerry. By because, far and be- away. Because of the yeah. dress? Largely because of the dress. Yeah. <laughs> um I just one of the one of the kind of first crushes I had on a, a celebrity. Her and her and Jet from the Gladiators. <laughs> that was my two two celebrity crushes, but uh, by the Spice Girls were huge, and again, very much like I mean, completely different. Very much like the project came out of nowhere mm. and just became massive. Like I remember the first time, I think I saw them. Now, what was it called? It was a Saturday morning TV show. Uh, I think it was called Fast Forward or something like that. Like it was a yeah. Philip Schofield or something that Ant Deck and that presented it. And um I remember them being on and I'd never heard of them before at all. And they performed Wannabe, which was our first single. And it's not a great song. It's it's not even a good song. Uh and but what, what struck me was them being interviewed. And it was unlike anything that British TV had seen before and British music because it was just four lassies. I'll discount Victoria because she she said fuck all. <laughs> but four lassies just generally having a laugh and mucking about. And uh, right. it was almost like a hen do on TV. Uh, and yeah, they were just they were just for for the two years they were the biggest thing in pop. Yeah, and some, and some we, really good songs as well. Yeah, and I, we'll, we'll come on to that. Just on that very point you made, one of the, the kind of reviews or, or quotes I read back on was that they were, in effect, the female version of Oasis. Yeah. Because, I mean, also, like, lad mags like FHM and Loaded and stuff were huge around about that time as well. And they were... They were... They were good for them as well. Because they were they were attractive young women and they were a good laugh in interviews and they would give a good interview and they would be very funny and very, very charming. So they were the, they were the perfect kind of sell and also for the tabloids as well because they would be out getting pissed, mm. mucking about, mm. doing daft stuff. So they were just a kind of perfect thing for that kind of time. Yeah, and they, they came together through auditions. It yeah. Was a, it was a kind of newspaper yeah. recruitment thing and a whole bunch of uh, females turned up and they ended up getting down to the five that mm-hmm. that were together so whoever was putting them together knew what they were doing I, I yeah. guess um, and that's what I mean this would be before kind of pop idol and sure yeah. X Factor and stuff like that as well so yeah absolutely and also they, they wrote the songs yeah know? so yeah. They, they had some support with it but um, every song I think that every single certainly they brought out had had their input and their co-credits and yeah Stuff there, and um, again, that was unusual at the time mm-hmm. rather than just knocking out stuff that um, other people had, had written. Mm-hmm. And what about the song itself, Two Becomes One? Why have you picked that? I like it because I'm a huge fan of Christmas songs, 
I'm a, I love I love songs at Christmas, and this has become one of those kind of unofficial Christmas songs because mm. it's Christmas number one. It's very much like uh, Staying All the Day by East 17. They're not actually Christmas songs. They've got bugger all to do with Christmas. But they've realised the time of year they're, they're releasing it. So the video, stick them in some warm coats, stick a couple of sleigh bells in it at some point, <laughs> uh, and you can mark it as a Christmas song. And it, it's a really nice it's a really nice song, and I like it because I always thought, a lot of folk kind of thought that Mel C had the ve- best voice, whereas I always thought Emma Bunton had the best voice right. out of all of them. And she, this song, she kind of takes the lead in yeah. the lyrics of it. Uh, so I, I, always, I always thought she was the most talented of the singers. Uh, but I, I mean, and my my daughter loves this song as well because it gets played over Christmas. And uh, it's just a really nice, nice wee song. And in case I forget then, tell us why you are only the second most famous comedian in the household. Oh, what, God, yeah, what, yeah. What's, what's your daughter's? Uh, well, my daughter, we we years ago, um, God, I'm trying to think because it was well, she'd have been two at the time. Um, so we did a thing where the uh, BBC Scotland had asked me what, how it had started was I'd kind of at one night she had these letters when she was uh, a lot younger that you would stick to the tiles of the bath. So as a kind of joke, as a Facebook post, I put up. Death to the West uh, spelled out in these letters. And I yep. said, I think my daughter's been radicalised. And uh, it started getting more, and it was popular, so I started putting up different wee messages. And then yep. somebody from the BBC said, is there anything you could do with this? And I was like, I genuinely don't, I can't think of anything to do. And then we, we, we kind of sat and chatted about it for a while and came up with this idea of, because I've got, I've got, a, I've got a degree in politics, bizarrely. Right. Okay. And... Uh, we're chatting about that, and it was like, is there any way we can do this? So we came up with the idea of me and her sitting, talking about world news, uh, world political news, or anything that was going on in the news at the time. And the way it was going to be was that she was going to be a hell of a lot smarter than me and more astute and in tune with me, and I was going to be a bit daft. But it was just a way of making topical jokes, but having them come out the the mouth of a two-year-old. Yeah, uh, and we put a couple of them out, and they did all right. And then they started to build and build and build. And then it was when when, when one had got like a million people watching it, I was kind of going, "This is this is strange." And then they kept building. Then we released one that we did about Easter, which was her kind of questioning the ideas behind why Easter, and there was a whole the Jesus and the Easter Bunny are the best pals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it went massive. Like worldwide, huge. I think it's got like something like 150 million views. Yeah, worldwide, and celebrities were retweeting it, uh, sharing it online. Um, we got people. It was like in the news in Turkey. It was in the news in America, and it got it got mental. And then like that year, she that year she, she's a three year old at this time. Yeah. And she mentioned as one of the most influential women in Scotland. <laughs> uh, it's, it was, I mean, it, it was a bizarre, bizarre time. Yeah. Um, but it was enjoyable. And yeah, it's you must something... be very proud as well. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it, she, she was very, very cute doing it. And she was very, very good at doing it as well. Yeah. And it was, um, 
and something will always. I mean, we don't well behind us now, but we don't. But it's something we'll always have that we did together. That I love yeah. that fact that we've got. And the best, the best bit about it was, we used to because it was up on Facebook. Um, they were never put on YouTube, thank God. But uh, because they were up on Facebook, yeah, you used to get comments, and because it was sharing around the world, you used to get funny comments with people going. This is a setup. He's given her these lines, and you can go. Well, obviously, she's three. She can't can read these. Aren't these are like these aren't <laughs> the, the views of a three year old? Yeah. But then uh, when we did one about Donald Trump, uh, the hatred we got from Americans was incredible, yeah. and incredibly funny as well. Like so it's, worth, it's worth doing for that then, if nothing else. It was. It was worth doing for annoying a lot of Americans. <laughs> that that that's the biggest legacy I'll take from it. That we annoyed yeah. a hell of a lot of Americans. Yeah, they are very good. Um, yeah, very thank good. I'm you. Sure, I'm sure she can revisit some of that at a later date. There's oh, get, like at the at the moment, she still thinks she's still every now and again going, "Why don't Why don't we do another one?" And yeah, like no, no, no. But there will come a time where she'll hate them. There's going to come bet. a period around about sixteen, seventeen, eighteen where she's going to hate the fact that these exist. And it will be your fault. Oh God! Oh, they're absolutely yeah. my fault. But I mean, absolutely. they're getting shown at her 18th birthday. There's no, of course, there's no is. doubt. Yeah. And she and she loved the Spice Girls, and she she wasn't alone either. I think um, no. I picked up a quote. You like this one? So the South African president Nelson Mandela said, "Quote: These are my heroes. This is <laughs> this is one of the greatest moments in my life." <laughs> quote unquote. Right. And there's a PS to that. Um, uh, in a meeting with Prince Charles, Prince Charles said, "It is the second greatest moment in my life." The first time was when I met them. That was the greatest moment. Wow. So, you know, I know these guys are putting it on, but um, they obviously had they had an impact, didn't they? They were... Oh, huge. You know, they were writing their songs. They had attitude. Um, they were that whole girl power thing that, yeah. you know, you talked about. They, they never let that go, really. And um, there was nothing like them, really, before they, they came out. No, because they were... And they were, they were fun and... Uh, exuberant whereas I thought yeah. a lot of the boy bands at the time were pretty bland you know like take that yeah. for all that they were um, it was almost like when Robbie Williams left take that he then became an entertainer Yeah, because I never really considered take that or boy zone to be particularly entertaining they were very much that stereotypical sit on stools stand up for the key change kind of yeah. shite whereas the Spice Girls were unashamedly fun and bubbly yeah, it's interesting. It's almost that kind of changing the guard because take that yeah. actually, they split up in '96. So they did. Yeah, there's so another reason why it's the best year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got to love a bit of take that. <laughs> Goodness me, I'm sure me now. Um, the, the album we mentioned it earlier being in the UK, best mm. of list, uh, top list, sorry, but um, the album sold 23 million copies. Wow. Which from a standing start's just um, oh, it's incredible, yeah, amazing. And they yeah. also ended up so they had this as Christmas number one, and they also had the next two years, yeah, Christmas so they would number have, yeah. as well. So they I would have, yeah. There's them and there's the Beatles that we talked about earlier, yeah. and then there's the guy who is it, Lad Baby? Yes, aye, that's so true. They were, yeah. they were the guys who the three artists who'd only ever done it. Um, yeah, I think he, did he not get a number one this year as well? Nah, he did, aye. So he's he's obviously burst that that story, but um, but yeah, they did. They just they just sort of ran for a while, and um, yeah. then when they were big and good, they were they were big and good, weren't mm-hmm. they? So, um, mm-hmm. and I, the last quote I had was from uh, Pitchfork, who did a, a review of um, Spice, 
and it said five women in a band together sharing songwriting credit and vocal duties equally was a new concept in British pop in 1996. Aye, aye. And, and I think, you know, you, you maybe lose sight of that a bit, don't you, when you think about the the kind of hoo-ha that went round them and the celeb status and all the other things that, yeah. that happened to them, but at their core, they were a sort of pretty edgy band for a while. So. Oh, aye, aye. Brilliant. So, let, so let's get the song on. So from the debut album Spice, this is the Christmas number one from 96. It's the Spice Girls with Two Becomes One. I love the Spice Girls. I know, I know. Love, really I, good. Loved in Eng- I loved in, Eng- in England at the time, and uh, my mates were all, the Oasis guys and all that stuff, were all getting piled into them. I was like, you kidding? I know. They're good looking. There's five of them. You know what I mean? You could, <laughs> you get, you had, you've only got two eyes, right? So you could, uh, you know, <laughs> looking back across the songs are catchy. It was, you know, what, what, I know. what's not you like about them, you know? So. Well, that was Two Becomes One from the Spice Girls. It was obviously a big seller in 96, but not the biggest selling single. So, again, there's a little bit of surprise by that. So, I got the top 10 best selling singles from the UK, dug right. them out, and I'll rattle down them for you. And uh, like the albums, number one might be a bit of a surprise for you. I think so, I might. I'm going to have a guess at number one before you say it. Well, I'll wait and see if it appears before. Right. Good stuff. Um, you should write it in an envelope and put it in an envelope somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that worked really well on audio. Right. Aye. <laughs> uh, okay, so 10 was Two Becomes One, the Spice Girls. Uh, nine was Mysterious Girl, Peter Andre. Peter Andre. Of course, classic. Eight was Children by Robert Miles. Mm-hmm. Seven was Three Lines by Bedeal and Skinner, which we'll come on to. Mm-hmm. Six was Ooh Ah, Just a Little <laughs> Bit by Gina G. Yeah, the Eurovision song. Eurovision song, absolutely. So it was only it was only eighth in the Eurovision, but it was a UK number one. So yeah, I'm not sure what that says about <laughs> us or Europe. I'm not too sure. Um, five was Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison. Uh-huh. Uh, I got a wee PS to that one. Couldn't let this one pass. I then didn't know this. Uh, he was jailed in '98, which I kind of vaguely remember. Uh-huh. I remember him being jailed. jailed yeah. right? Do you remember why? It's going to be something proper cringy. It's not going to be like a kind of, it's not going to be a gangster rap kind of thing. It's He um, he got done for an assault and he was given community service for the for the assault. <laughs> but he sent a Mark Morrison impersonator <laughs> oh, amazing. to do the community service. And that is incredible. And then got jailed for you. Wow, that is amazing. <laughs> I know. There's no, yeah, exactly. Let's move on. Uh, four was See You Be There by the Spice Girls. Three was Spaceman by Babylon Zoo. Yep. We'll mention. Two was Wannabe mm-hmm. by the Spice Girls. And obviously it reflects their year. And right. I'll give you a guess at number one. Is number one Gangster's Paradise by Coolio? It's not. Oh. That's a fantastic guess. Oh. I, I'm guessing it might be 97, maybe. I, I, Aye. Because you're right, it was a big seller and it Aye. was iconic song wasn't it but it's not on the 96 list um this one's actually not not too far out of that ballpark number one was killing me softly by the fugees wow i would never have guessed that from never the, guessed uh, that. score which uh was a big crossover record yeah. in 96 and uh yeah i mean i i, I love the, the score probably got me into music again that i Aye. probably wouldn't have listened to without that kind of um that landing point really. yeah that would we never went, guessed that 
No, me neither, mate. We went to a wedding a few years later. And you know in Scotland where uh, in the intermission you get some singers up? Yeah. With the bands having a break and stuff. Um, so there was some guy, some uh, guys up singing and, uh, and this woman got up to sing. And she was singing um, Killing Me Softly by Roberta Flack, which mm-hmm. is the original. And she was a proper singer. She was really good. But all the crowd were singing the Fugees version. So one we were time. All doing one time, <laughs> two times, right. And she was raging. Like... <laughs> That's terrible. So every time I, I, I hear the song now, I always think of the, the wedding. It was my sister's wedding, so I'm, I'm sure she, she's never forgiven us for it. So, so yeah, so that was the top ten. And on that list, uh, at number three, was your next selection, Spaceman by Babylon Zoo. Mm-hmm. So what's your memories of this one, Mark? My memories are the fact that it was a Levi's advert. Um, and I, do you know what? I always liked this song. Uh, I even because I, th- I thought the wee hook that they did in the advert was cracking, but yeah. I actually genuinely like the rest of the song. I like the verses, I like the fact that it's quite rocky, I like the fact that it's quite a, a space opera kind yeah. of thing. Um, but the reason I picked it is because th- it kind of shows you that at that time, a song from because Levi's had done that a couple of times. Where they'd had an they'd had a song come out. I remember, um, I think I heard it through the grapevine. That's right. Go back to number one, one. purely because it was used in an advert, Uh, and it was. And and I remember uh, Stiltskin, that's right, Scottish band. We're inside that got to number one from an advert, and it just. I think that I don't think that would ever ever happen again. Uh, I think it was a, a, a a decade and a year where. I don't know whether it, I think I think it was a, a time when it was probably the last decade where people watched TV a lot. Mm. Um, I think especially, this was, especially the ads, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this, I mean, this was pre the internet only really started to come about in terms of. I mean, we had the internet at school, but in terms of home internet, it only really started to proper seep in towards '99 and then into 2000 and stuff. So at that time, there was no such thing as YouTube and there certainly wasn't a such thing as a streaming site where you would never get adverts and you could never skip the adverts. Yeah. Uh, skipping the adverts then, you'd still have to physically press fast forward on the the, the VCR. So um, I think, I mean, this was even pre-DVDs as well. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think that, that, that it just showed you the power of a marketing campaign like that that could take a band that had never been heard of before and were never ever heard of since mm-hmm. that just had one song that captured a nation and was heard so many times from the ad breaks with people watching soaps and stuff like that that it catapulted it to number one. Yeah, I'd agree with all of that and um it, it was a huge song, and it was the fastest selling single in uh, UK history. Yeah, that's, that's mental. I mean, that like from, for a from band, nowhere. That yeah. Came I mean, from the one the, the, the one they took over from was the was the Beatles with um, "Can't Buy Me Love." So yeah, uh, you know, and and yeah, I, I'm not. Too, you're right. I'm not too sure that would happen again. No. In today's world, because maybe downloads and stuff might. I guess might might have the same impact, but. Um, 
Yeah, and the, and the ads themselves all became quite iconic, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. You know, you always yeah. kind of built like the Guinness ads and stuff. You always, when one came on, you would always stop and watch it because it was... Aye, because, was I mean, then... Of... I mean, then I imagine there was a hell of a lot of money being pumped into adverts because they were quite high productions as well, and they'd have yeah. these creative geniuses behind it because they knew they, knew they could make millions yeah. if they got the right advert. Yeah, and as you say, for a, a small band, um, getting that leg up because yeah. what this they, they were classic one hit wonders really weren't mm. they? Um, but wow, you, you know why wouldn't you have one hit if it's going yeah. to be? Yeah, and type I wonder. Of hit? I've always wondered how much money they would make off it because I, I don't imagine it would be a huge amount. I'd imagine they'd get a one off fee for it getting used in a, as an ad. Uh, don't know, but obviously their their single sales themselves they would get yeah. revenue from that, and I'm pretty sure the singer was the co-writer. I think. Right, so he he's would probably still got royalties, royalties and stuff. Aye. Yeah, I'm so guessing. What he's up to now? Jazzman, I think his name. Jazzman, was. Jazzman, Jazzman yeah. Good memory. Yeah, yeah. it was. I, I've I've no idea. I didn't didn't check that one out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was oh, there was so much research I could do for um, Babylon Zoo. Aye, know, so. aye, aye. That's fair uh, enough. There's a really nice quote, actually, from a lady called Helen Lamont of Smash Hits, uh, which obviously, uh, you say, at that time, th these magazines were huge. And um, Helen rated the song 4 out of 5, and she was a bit like yourself. She said, the intro sounds just like the ad, all high-pitched and squeaky, but then everything takes a turn for the series. Mm. Fear not, though, it is still good, but in a charming, slit-your-wrists, top-of-the-rock-charts kind of way. <laughs> I, th I think it's a compliment. I think yeah. she's... She's saying it's just not quite the song you expect it to be, but no, um, it's definitely not. It's, it's a massive gear change yeah. when it breaks down for that that wee high pitched guy in the. It, it does indeed, I and mean, we'll maybe <coughs> touch on a couple of your your kind of rock selections as well because we've mm. got a couple of crackers coming come through the back end of your playlist. So, um, but yeah, another iconic song from the year. So we'll um, we'll give this one a play mark. So it was the first single and from their debut album, uh, "The Boy with the X-ray Eyes," uh, UK number one. This is Spaceman from Babylon Zoo. That was Spaceman from Babylon Zoo. Mark, you chose 15 songs for your 1996 playlist. We will be playing eight of them in the podcast. However, before we play your next one, we thought it'd be good to look at the other seven and get you to do a brief review of each of them, if that's okay. Okay, so the first one that we haven't played yet is Nancy Boy by Placebo. Yep. Uh, I love this song. I love I love how fast this song is. I love how short it is. I love how punk uh, it's just perfect punk pop and it's also because um, this was around about the time I'll, I joined a band and okay. we used to play this as a cover as part of the set and so I loved good it. to play I'm guessing it was, it was incredibly good because it was incredibly easy yeah. to play and it's one of those songs that it's, it's hit so fast and there's so much energy to it that it doesn't really matter if you get a lot of it wrong because it's so distorted it still sounds pretty good yeah I'd agree with that. Um, their original name, band name, was Ashtray Heart. Placebo oh, <laughs> was much better. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I'd agree with that. And the other thing I picked up was that the um, the album cover had a, a young boy on it, a guy called mm -hmm. David Fox, who had a red jumper and he was sort of pulling yep. his face down. So he, uh, in 2012, he was he threatening to sue the band for ruining his life. His cousin Saul Fletcher had taken the photo. Fox claims he was quite popular at the time, but when the album came out, everyone bullied him. Oh, I know, and it got settled out of court somewhere, you know, 
That's like that wee guy that sued Nirvana for the Nevermind cover. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And also the guy that was in the uh, U2 uh, War album, Uh the boy album before that, that was the same boy. And there was some stuff at the time about that as well, that he felt he'd been victimised or whatever. I'd be absolutely delighted. I mean, I suppose they're getting lawyers in their ears going, there's a hell of a lot of money. Bono is worth a fucking fortune, so you can make a lot of money off that. I'm still available for album covers. If nah, exactly, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your next selection was Scooby Snacks by The Fun Loving Criminals. Yep, this is again very much kind of film-based uh, because I'd become... As, in the same way that I had an obsession with Oasis, also an obsession with Quentin Tarantino films. And uh, this, again, it was like a song that prior to that kind of Tarantino takeover of cinema would never have really charted or made any kind of blip in British music. But it was just a cool song and they were a very, very cool band. And Huey Morgan was the coolest lead singer up to that point you'd ever seen. It's a guy with an amazing haircut wearing bowling shirts with a, a gold Fender guitar and... Basically, just just singing, singing. The, the songs were basically mini films in themselves, yeah. and uh, yeah, I loved them. Absolutely loved the fun of the criminals. Yeah, mega cool, and uh, and to be associated with Pulp Fiction and yeah, like and that, the fact that they were, they were using them. lines from the films as well throughout yeah. the songs was just. It did cost so them thirty seven percent of the royalties. Did it to Tarantino? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, Andy wow. also got a, you got a co-credit. Oh, the song. Oh well. So he wasn't he wasn't a man of the people. Hope it was say. worth it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I'm sure it was because it was it was really big and yeah. I think they got that kudos, didn't they? Off the yeah, yeah, off the film as well. I don't know if you you know this at the time, but uh, the other track I think there's two or three tracks on the song when it was a single, but one of the other tracks on it was a cover of "I'm Not in Love" by Ten CC. Ah, do you know what? I've got the single somewhere, so I'll yeah. look it out. I didn't. I probably didn't realise it at the time. It's it's fantastic. It's yeah. everything you would imagine it to be. You know, yeah, it's, uh, just the coolest cover. Do you remember they did the great cover of "We Have All the Time in the World"? That's right. Yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And I also didn't. I probably did know this, but forgot it. But Scooby Snacks equals is it Diazepam? I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I guess I probably knew, but. Um, Maybe Radio 1 probably didn't, I guess. No, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, your next one is Hero of the Day by Metallica. Yeah, this is this is probably... Any any Metallica fans that are listening to this are probably screaming at their... Uh, <laughs> at whatever they're listening to it on, because it's not, it's not the, the coolest of Metallica's songs. However, right. I do like this song, and I do like the Load album. I think it's massively underrated, the Load album. But it was it, 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 the reason I picked it is because again I saw this on top of the pops. This got to like number thirty six or something in the British charts. But yeah. they showed the video rather than showing the video, they showed a live version of Metallica in concert. And I had heard of Metallica, but I'd never really listened to Metallica. And okay. I heard this song and absolutely loved it. And I loved and I'd never really been into heavy metal up until that point. Uh, I'd always loved grunge, I'd always loved indie music, I'd always loved dance music, I'd never really, and I'd always loved rock music as well, but never taken it on to metal. And uh, from, so the reason I've picked it is from this song, I then went out and sought out all of the other Metallica stuff. 
okay. and Metallica are now one of my favourite bands. Um, but yes, so it's a, a great it song. A, it's not. It was a gateway really for you then. Into, yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not. It, it's not a particularly. The album load isn't a particularly heavy album. I mean, it's not heavy at all. It's probably the softest of all Metallica's albums. Yeah. But it's got some decent stuff, and they they try something different, and they got slagged for it. And folks thought Metallica can't get any worse than doing this. And then they did Saint Anger, and then folk really realised what shite Metallica sounded like. So. <laughs> But they also did the Black Album after this, didn't they? And um, yeah, so you know, it's—I mean, it's that, that, and so there's some stuff. great, 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 great yeah. songs in this album. Yeah, is this the one that they do the Motorhead covers on the? the EP? No, that so that was released uh, maybe a, a year or so after this. Right, it's the Garage Inc. album. Okay. But it's it's just all it's all covers, but there's some amazing. I mean, there's Queen covers, Diamond Head covers. There's some absolute belters on that. Yeah, they're a really good cover of Lover Man by Nick Cave. Okay, yeah, yeah, really good. good. And it was number one in the US, although it didn't, you know, wasn't particularly popular in the UK, in UK yeah. but they were big in the US, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it probably gave them that reach then to allow them to, to do their own thing again and exactly, aye, you know, become a bit harder. And yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. kind of still, still going really, aren't they? So, oh, aye, yeah, absolutely. they on your list to, to get and see again soon, uh, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Aye, uh, yeah, I'll definitely. I've I've seen them many times. I've seen Metallica like three times, right? Uh, but I've only ever seen them doing their own gig. I only saw, I saw them at SCCC once. Said so the other times they've been at festivals. But okay. aye. Okay, so we're jumping from Metallica to Ash and uh, the song Goldfinger. Yes, um, the reason I picked this was because, incredibly, Ash around about this time were only a couple of years older than me and had released this album in 1977, which was just phenomenal. It's still one of my favourite albums, and this is my favourite song from it. Uh, but it was just that idea of a band that were 17 that were just... That could, that, like, And this, that, the thing is, this wasn't even their first album. Um, they'd had stuff out before this, and just the, the kind of maturity to be able to write songs as catchy as this and songs as deep and meaningful as this and uh, what I loved about the album as well is uh, around about that time there was a kind of trend in CDs where there was always a secret track at the end so mm-hmm. you'd leave it running and sometimes it would be like a couple of minutes sometimes folk probably took the piss and it was like half an hour a secret track would go on Ashy's album you had to put it in and press play on track one and then rewind it. So then you get a right. you get a, a track, a secret track before the album even even okay. happened. And then they also had a secret track at the end, but the secret track was just them recording themselves on a night out, throwing up into a drain. <laughs> which at the time, at the time because I was 15, I thought was hilarious. Properly yeah. hilarious. Yeah. That would be a Belfast night out, I'm guessing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. And I know Tim Wheeler. He he said it's um, the best song that he ever wrote. Oh, Goldfinger is it? Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, that's yeah, Goldfinger cool. is the best song we've ever written and the best words I've ever written. Yeah. Was his quote? Yeah. So, oh, that's good. Yeah. And I think there was a cover of uh, "Get Ready" on the single as well. Uh, you know, the Smokey Robinson <laughs> song. So they were they were kind of quite. Um, yeah, they were kind of quite uh, educated, weren't they? For the oh, they were. I mean, for, the for age being seventeen, they were. they were mature. Yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. Do you know they were in the before they became Ash, they were in an Iron Maiden covers band? I didn't know you, that. You'd have probably loved, to be yeah. fair. Called Vietnam. So there you go. Nice. Some stuff kicking about for Aye. that, I guess. Um, so that was Ash. Uh, next one was The Wake Up Bomb by R.E.M. Yeah, I include this because I love R.E.M. as a band. And uh, this album was called New Adventures in Hi-Fi. It had Electrolyte yeah. on it as well. And he only picked Electrolyte. I picked this song. It's not particularly well known. I picked this song because it's a really good song, first of all. But also, Michael Stipe has said that the song's about Liam Gallagher. Okay. Uh, so there's a whole chorus, there's a whole verse where they says, I want to teach the world to sing before I'm 21. And then right. they talk about T-Rex and all that kind of stuff. So I just I just always liked that. And I wanted to include R.E.M. in it as well, yeah. because I think I think they're, a, even though they're a massive band, I think R.E.M. are an underrated band that when people actually go back and listen to them, they realise how good they actually were as a band. Yeah, they agree with that. And they, they kind of consciously pulled back, didn't they, from yeah. megastardom. You know, yeah, they just, yeah. Particularly, um, well, all of them, but particularly Michael Stipe, they just didn't yeah. want it. Um, and I, I kind of, you got to tip your hat to, to people. Oh, aye. It, it is a great album. I, I get yeah. One of the great great things about doing this, Mark, is that it does, myself and McDee, it does make us go back and pick up and stuff that you've maybe parked for a while. Yeah. Um, and this was an album, I, to be honest, I hadn't played this for, for quite a long time and I've been listening to it the last couple of weeks. And it's, There's um, some belters on it, absolute belters, yeah. Yeah, that Electrolyte's um, Tom York's favourite song. Just to Oh, really? Wow. Square, square back from the Radiohead chat. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. I'm really glad you mm. put that on because it's on the playlist and it, it sounds fantastic. Um, 14 was Where It's At by Beck, which is the number one yep. album of the Critics' Choice of the year. Yep. So. Just a cool album. Just a great, great, great album. Um, I got onto it through an interview where um, they'd asked uh, Noel Gallagher and if there was anyone who could collaborate with and he said Beck, and this was before the Odley album came out. Right. So the minute it came out, I'd heard, I had heard, uh, God, this is terrible. Uh, I'd heard Loser previously yep. sure. um, through MTV. Um, but as soon as Odley came out, I was like, right, getting this. And this this song's amazing. Devil's Haircut's amazing on it. New Pollution's amazing on it. It's, 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 it's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliantly, a, a brilliant Americana album that's yeah. just, Fantastic. And Beck, just at the time, I remember seeing him live a couple of times as well, and just a great showman as well, Beck. Oh, I never saw him. That must be amazing. Mm, yeah, Really good. Yeah. Really good. I don't know who it was at the time. I do remember someone saying he was the white man's prince. Yes, that's a good... <laughs> which, which I get, really, you know, because he, yeah. he just, just do every song was different to the last song, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. And, um, yeah. But you know, genius at work, really. Yeah, yeah. Really nice quote. Just to, to before we move on here, because um, he was called part of the face of the slacker generation. Yes. Um, and he's quoted as saying, "Slacker, my ass." I mean, I never had any slack. I was working a four dollar an hour job trying to stay alive. That slacker stuff is for people who have the time to be depressed about everything. Yeah. That's not me. Um. So he he really did sort of he moved to New York and stuff and he had no money and I and got music connections and then moved back to the west coast and you know eventually made it but um it was it was time served yeah sure. good on Which, yeah absolutely here here uh and the last one is uh, zero by smashing pumpkins 
Yes, I picked this uh, because again it was a it was a song that we used to cover in the band, and this album, uh, Melancholy and Infinite Sadness, was huge that year. Uh, but it was only huge really in America. It was like I, I don't know whether it was a best selling album in America, but it was just a massive, massive album, and so many could like Tonight Tonight was everywhere at one yeah. point. Uh, but I always loved I loved this and I loved Bully with Butterfly Wings um, because I liked I, I, they were they were kind of they, they were still one of the bands them and kind of Pearl Jam that were mm-hmm. kind of still cutting about and still doing grunge music that mm-hmm. I'd always loved uh, so yeah I, I wanted to include the Smashing Pumpkins um, because I, I, and, and after that, I never really, I never really liked a lot of the later Smashing Pumpkins stuff. Because the next one they did was, I think it was called Adore, the album they did after this. And then ever since that, they've kind of, I've not, I've not really paid much attention because I didn't really like a lot of stuff. But this and the previous album, I just, I just think are phenomenal. And they, they kind of had a sound really that wasn't like most other bands. They got yeah. criticised for doing a bit of kind of genre hopping. Mm. But but they said it was it was just what they were making, you know, they were yeah. moving from from bits of grunge to bits of electronica, the big influence from the kind of early eighties British music, yeah, yeah, order stuff like that. So they, there was and, a whole bunch of influences in there. And Billy Corgan has got the most distinctive voice, one of the most yes. distinctive voices in music ever. Yeah. Which when I think when you if you were to listen to it on its own, you'd you'd find it quite annoying. But when it's put with the kind of music that they make really does work yeah it does yeah and i know they reformed subsequently but when they split up the original band split up in 2000 i liked they played their last gig in the place that they played their first gig oh that's nice so uh, the oh, that's Metro a cool thing, yeah. chicago yeah so kind yeah. of small club thing they went right back and and kind of tipped her hat to to the start which i which i really liked but oh, um, that's very cool pretty much every band reformed now don't they i guess so yeah um, so they were no different but, uh, but it's a cracking list of tunes mate and, thank um, you very much really strong and varied so they'll all go on the supporting playlist um, and I think because they're quite varied and stuff it might be quite good to stick one more on yep. from no, that list we'll, we'll stick that on at the end of the um, the podcast is there okay. any one in particular you'd like us to stick on there? let's stick the Beck song on I perfect yeah. that'll stick be a that lovely, on, yeah. lovely way to finish okay and uh, we are now at your last selection so I'm looking forward to this chat. <laughs> so the last one that we're going to play today on the podcast, uh, you have chosen Three Lions by Bedeal and Skinner. Mark, right. the floor is yours, mate. Right. Um, there's The reason I've picked this <laughs> is I genuinely, I, I like this song. I think it's a good song, right? I thought it was a good song at the time. I hate what the song has become. Like, I absolutely loathe what the song has become. <laughs> However... I wanted to make reference to the fact that Euro 96 happened this year. Sure. And it, wa- it wasn't the first tournament, I remember. Uh, I remember the 86, I remember being a wee boy at the 86 World Cup. And I remember watching Scotland at the 90 World Cup. Mm-hmm. And I remember America in 94 because we weren't there, but it just about the razzmatazz of it being in America. But Euro 96 was my tournament as a Scotland, because I'm a huge, huge Scotland fan, and I sure. go and watch Scotland as much, I go to every home game, I go to as, as many away games as I can, which is not as many as I would like now, 
And at this point, this tournament, because it was because it was in England, it just felt it, it just it felt like such a huge event, this tournament. And the fact that we were playing England in the group games just made it huge. And uh, we had a good team, a hell of a good team. Uh, John Collins, Gary McAllister, Colin Hendry, all playing at the top. I mean, like only only the current squad are kind of coming back to that where they're all playing at a very, very high level. And uh, I mean, Captain Colin Hendry, had, I mean, he was playing on a Blackburn team that then went on to win the, the Premiership. So it was it was a great team. Genuinely, with that kind of false hope that Scotland fans have, I genuinely thought that we would get through the group, especially when we jammed out a nil-nil draw with Holland after John Collins blatantly handled on the line. <laughs> and then the England game came, and it was a beautiful, beautiful sunny day. And um, the, the pitch looked incredible. Um we had a chance, and then Shearer scored. I can't remember what minute Shearer scored in. He scored a header. Yeah. And Scotland, at that point, I thought, well, we're beaten. But then Scotland's heads didn't go down, and then we came back. And we were all over England, and we were by far and away the better team. Then we get a penalty, so you think, right, we score this. We've got a good chance of going on and winning this game, because they're rattled. Then... Gary McAllister misses purely because Yuri Geller decided <laughs> to be a prick that day. Uh, and then from that, Gaza goes up and scores one of the greatest goals ever seen in international football. So it's one of the only times I've ever cried after a game because I was so gutted. And then we'd ended up not going through despite the fact we beat Switzerland by a cracking Ali McCoy school. We didn't do enough. And that was a heartbreaking night in itself because it was. for a, a, a 10 minute period we were through because England were hammering Holland and then Clive Earp scored a, a consolation at the end to put us out. Yep. This song, I mean, this song was everywhere and it became the anthem of the only other football song that has got that kind of is the Carnival de Paris, the Dario G song okay. for the yep. France 98. Uh, but this yep. song was everywhere. And it, at that time, it was an anthem that the English fans could love because at the time it was, football was coming home. The, the reason it pisses me off now is because England fans have now adopted it as this, we're going to win the tournament, which the song isn't about that. The song is about the fact that it's been hosted in England again. So yeah. at that time, it was fine. It was fine. I liked the song at that time. <laughs> and then it became massive, and then they started to sing it, and then it became even more sweet, the fact that they get beat by penalties <laughs> in Germany as well. So, by Germany, sorry. So uh, I have, We have got some English listeners to the podcast, so <laughs> you, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're all sitting nodding as you're pulling them to pieces here. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, I, think, I think it's a really good song, and it's a really, really good yeah, football song. It's a great song. song. Yeah, and it's 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 about it's about being a football fan. It, it, there's, not, there's no other song. I mean, mo the majority of football songs are awful. I mean, this yeah. this and New Orders, World in Motion, are far and away the best because New Orders is just a good song and it's good one barn rapping. Uh, but 
this is a song about being a football fan and it, it perfectly encapsulates what it's like to be a football fan. Yeah, I agree with all of that. It's a, it's a great song and if you're thinking about things that you want people to sing on the terraces, I mean, mm. you know, probably nothing would be more successful, I guess, than, yeah. than this. Also, I quite like the fact that they, they didn't have the England team on yes. it anywhere and that yeah. was through choice. Yeah. Because they didn't want it to be a celebration about about winning something. It was, yeah. it was a reflective song. It wasn't... Um, it wasn't gung-ho, albeit mm-hmm. it got adopted at, at that point. And he was a pretty clever guy, wasn't he, Ian Brody? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the he, Lightning... He could write a tune, right? Yeah, some yeah. of the Lightning Sea stuff. I think, it was, I think it was the year before, maybe 94, either 94 or 95, they released uh, the album that had Change and Life of right, Riley yeah. and all that stuff on it. And yeah, um, they, were, they were a great, great band. And then Life of Riley became like the kind of... That became adopted by Match of the Day. That's, at one point as well, because it was always used in the kind of goal of the week, yeah. the goal of the goal of the month kind of that's thing. Right. So, forgot about that. And I was actually, um, I was living in England when um, when the game was on, so uh, I remember it well. I had to watch it in the house because I, I had nowhere I could go to watch it um, <laughs> in a pub and and get out again. You know, Aye. unless the one, of course, but it should have been fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we sat in the house. You know, Effin and Jeff and all whatever you do, but uh, but it was it was it was memorable. It was an amazing tournament. Usually the weather was kind of weather was fantastic, wasn't yeah. it? And a lot of and the football was good. And it was, yeah. yeah. There was a lot of iconic players that played around about that time. You still had Klinsman playing. You had Clive Hullet was still playing. It was just a, and they just to say, despite football songs, normally football songs being written for specifically for football being awful, there was three other songs for that. Uh, Tournament because our official song, uh, no, what was our good? No, because it wasn't, was it 98 that Delamitri did? Don't come home yeah. too soon, yeah. Great, great I song. don't know, I, I can't remember what our official song was, but um, England's unofficial song was written by Black Grape, it was called England's Irie, which is a great retune as well, right? <laughs> Excuse me, and uh, Primal Scream did a song that featured Irvin Welsh talking over it that was released yeah. for the Scotland team as well. Okay, right. Didn't so, uh, I saw, I mean, a great tournament. It was, a, it was a really nice way to finish. Uh, and just to cheer you up as well, uh, one of the things I, I did read was that Ian Brodie was quite surprised because um, in the tournament progressed and England went out, he, he, he heard the German fans singing yeah. the song. They adopted the song. Uh, with yeah. like, in a sense of irony, but also they still sing it now. If you go to yes. German games. Yeah. They sing it, which I kind of quite like. But yeah, so yeah, you've insisted to play it, Mark, so obviously I've got to play it, mate, <laughs> So, But it's um, it's a brilliant football anthem, and it was just, it was a huge song in 96. So this is Bedeal and Skinner with Three Lines. So that was um, Three Lines by Bedeal and Skinner. That's us played or spoken about all your selected songs from 96, Mark. So now you've heard them and some of the stories around them. Still happy for 96 to be your chosen year? Absolutely delighted. So glad I picked it. Yeah. Great year. And before we finish, Mark, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me at Mark Nelson Comic on Twitter. Uh, and if you fancy listening to the podcast as well, it's at Perfect Play Pod. Yeah, and well worth listening to. Thank and you. It's in- infinitely better than. <laughs> I wouldn't than, say that. Than, than others. It's, a, it's a hell of a lot less knowledgeable, anyways. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not sure about that either. <laughs> Um, really appreciate you joining us today, Mark. It's been great, and the songs you've you've selected and the playlist confirms that '96 was pretty tasty, even with the three lines. Memories. 
Today's podcast and the sporting playlist can be found on Spotify by searching Over Our Garden Wall. Join the chat on Facebook using the same search or find us on Twitter at Over Our Wall. If you're enjoying the podcast, share the enjoyment with your family and friends. It's really appreciated. With me, D, we'll be back soon with another guest proposing pop music's greatest year. But until we do, we will leave you with a bonus selection from Mark's playlist from 96. <coughs> Stay safe, everyone. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks, Mark.